0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Box Mining channel. So one thing we've been always talking about in this channel is blockchain gaming digital assets. And this is a huge space, online gaming. I just checked 2.5 billion gamers out there. And top games are getting 80 plus million users like Fortnite. Now, obviously, with gaming in the crypto space, it's a little bit different. And we haven't really gotten the full amount of gamers that I really think we should have. Games like CryptoKitties, whilst financially they're quite successful, the maximum number, the total number of users is around 90,000, and currently it's actually less than 100 active players per day. So we do see some drops off there, and that's a major understatement. So today what we have is we have a panel of very, very long-term game developers from Pixelmatic Studios, and one thing we'll be discussing is what kind of worked in blockchain gaming and what didn't work. To start off, let's do a quick introduction around the table. We got Jason Lee, we got Damon, and we got Hope. Let's give a quick introduction of our history and our backgrounds.
1: Uh, hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is Jason. Um, I'm the chief creative at Pixelmatic. Um, I provide high-level direction for Infinite Fleet. I've worked in the game industry for over 15 years, and uh, before joining Pixelmatic, I used to work at Relic Entertainment on. Company of Heroes franchise and the Age of Empires IV um, where I was, you know, lead gameplay, um, systems, AI, game balance, and economy design. So I ch- I kind of play around with um, all facets of design and I, that's what I bring uh, to Pixelmatic on Infinite Fleet.
2: Hey, um, I'm Damon. Been a, I'm a game design director on Infinite Fleet. Been in the game industry for almost 20 years. I've worked at um, studios like Stainless Steel on Empire Earth and I worked on Relic doing uh, game balance uh, and system design on a lot of different titles and I also worked at uh, Bioware working on Anthem doing creature design.
3: Hey guys, my name is Hope and uh, I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Pixelmatic. Uh, I'm mostly in charge of the marketing and business development activities for our studio and uh, my background is more in the crypto space. I used to work at ETCC, one of the uh, largest and oldest uh, Bitcoin exchanges in China back in 2016 and 17. Uh, And now we are obviously we are uh, working on this blockbuster MMO game called Infinite Fleet, which has an integration with uh, cryptocurrency as well. And uh, we hope to be making some waves in the space.
0: So one of the different recurring themes here is obviously that you guys have quite a lot of experience. You guys are building a new game, Infinite Fleet, trying to use that experience to make a game that's going to be kind of mass mainstream appeal, right? Bringing a lot more people, um, creating a digital economy up. I'll probably do a mini introduction for my gaming stuff as well. So um, I've been working in the game industry since around 2012. I used to start off just uh, independent selling Trading World World of Warcraft gold, being an economist in games, um, made a lot of money. Surprisingly, got my all my way through college just kind of selling, trading World of Warcraft gold. I understood economies very well. I can utilize the economy and make a lot of money, like real life money. I just actually sold it, and I did like buying acquisition as well, so sourcing gold from different locations and then reselling it to markets that are more profitable. Then I worked as a game designer and. I worked there to kind of optimize economy. So I'm kind of the bad guy. So I would find a game and I would try to increase the average revenue per user. I was there to just make the company more money. And that was important because the more money you can make, the more money you can spend on advertising. And I learned a lot about the advertising and the gaming space that way. Uh, I think to start off this discussion, one thing that we've done in the gaming space for a long time is postmortems, analysis of successful titles. And I think one thing that I kind of want to bring here is the kind of the CryptoKitties genre. So as homework prior to starting this, I got everyone to play CryptoKitties, Blockchain Cuties, this whole genre of games that's based on this crypto idea. So all, all, all just kind of CryptoKitties clones. I mean, that was the one I set off. CryptoKitties, honestly, I, I took a look at figures. I'll just give you guys a little bit of figures here. It's profitable um, because early on were a lot of players who kind of spent a lot of money on it. In terms of unique users, it's 90,000. Right now, 24 daily active users is 72, so it's not very strong. And the highest it's ever been is at 15,000 users. So that's kind of the stats right now, and obviously, in terms of finances, there were kitties that were being sold for tens of thousands of dollars. That's how the company made money.
3: I mean, I think the concept is good. It was quite innovative for its time. Uh, obviously it's one of the first blockchain games that really got some traction, at least uh, awareness, right maybe not necessarily prolonged uh, life or, or uh, you know, actual gameplay stuff, but uh, it got, definitely got some awareness. Oh. I think like Damon said, I, I think the concept of being able to like buy kitties and breed your own kitties and and kind of see what, you know, what kind of genetic offspring you can make. I think that's, uh, that's, that's quite exciting because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, when you're, when you're playing certain games and you're trying to find certain items and then you can, you can upgrade those items, right. It's, it's quite sticky, I think from, uh, from a player's perspective, but in terms of the actual game and playing the game, it's it's I know uh, you know I'm not a fan because I think the whole the whole thing with uh, blockchain games is everything is way too complex for the average person. I mean, uh, for crypto kitties, first of all, you need to learn how to get Ethereum. You know, you need to buy some Ethereum. Then you need to learn how to use uh, how to send Ethereum. You have all these sort of steps, all these barriers to entry before someone can actually get on the page and click buy this kitty, right? Uh, but I mean. I do I do like the concept that you're they're enabling peer to peer trade directly. You can buy a kitty from someone else directly, and then you can breed with others to to see what what comes out of it. But yeah, I you know in, in from a practical standpoint, it's just it doesn't make sense for uh, for mainstream gamers.
0: And I think just to build on that point, I think they they dealt with that problem very well. So they knew that the barrier to entry was very high. You gotta be either in crypto or understand crypto. You gotta have a wallet. You gotta have ETH. So I think one thing that they did very brilliantly is they made the initial kitties extremely expensive. So when I first got into the game, there were these Gen, Gen Zero kitties, right? So this is what the company was selling. This is how they're monetizing it. And the kitties literally cost tens of ETH. And at that time, ETH was around a thousand something. So it's like $10,000 per single kitty. So they, I think one of the monetization things, like I'm very tuned to how they monetize. And I was just very tuned to like, they they knew to milk the whales. They knew that there were crypto whales out there that needed to show off, that they're... You know, I had a friend, I'm gonna just throw him out there. I had a friend, Peter, he's, he's quite a crypto OG and he wanted to show off. So he just bought a, one of those Gen Zero kitties. He didn't know what to do with it. He just bought one, boom, put it on Twitter, whatever, right? 10K, not much money, doesn't matter. Like, I'll move forward. So I think they cater to that crowd of people. So um, in that sense, I think they did very well because they knew that their audience was so small. They had to really, really milk it. And I think the second thing that I really appreciate that they did very well was they didn't add any battle mechanics to it. So I think as gamers, we all love some sort of depth, some sort of competitive edge to it. But I think one thing about CryptoKitties was that they didn't add that, which was important because the moment you add that, the game becomes very blatantly obvious. It's paid to win. And that's not good. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, how else can you balance a game where a kitty costs $10,000? How can that, how does that fit in a world where everyone else costs maybe three, $30, et cetera. So I think those are two elements that they did very well. They didn't at all make anything competitive in there, which is great. And I think the third point I really wanted to point out with crypto CryptoKitties is that they also encouraged something that was very common in crypto, which is like kind of making money. You can make a lot of money off kitties, because initially, if you want to have these fast breeding kitties to make more kitties, it 's almost like a pyramid, and uh, not, not almost it is a pyramid, right you 're yeah. trying to breed kitties to sell to someone new, to newcomers to buy those kitties, so it, it can 't last forever. They knew it couldn 't last forever. but whilst it did last, there were some programmers who really took advantage of fast breeding kitties, and they made money. There were people who made tens of thousands of dollars just breeding kitties and passing that on. And the reason why you will buy an expensive kitty is because the kitty will breed faster. So it's like, there was kind of that gameplay mechanic where people can make money. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost, almost like that kind of shit coin kind of pyramid t- type of structure that crypto um, is quite used to, I would say at this point at, or at that point. So that's why I kind of felt like it took off, but obviously one of the biggest problems is that it took off for, you know, 90,000 players, but it didn't last. Right. So coming to these days, I think one of the core stats that we definitely look at in terms of the gaming space is retention. And I think the retention was very low. So do you guys, you know, let's do a postmortem on that. Where do you think people will leave here? And, you know, where did you leave the game and what, why did you kind of stop playing? Why aren't you playing on a daily
3: basis? Uh, Do you want to start with uh, hope? Uh, Let's do Let's do hope first. Um, for me, I think it's simple. I mean, if I'm playing games, right, I, I like games that have depth, that have longitude and require a lot of, um, you know, complicated strategic thinking and just just involvement. And with CryptoKitties or most other blockchain games so far, there's just not much depth. Um, you kind of, you know, you, you explore what's there and, and you can be done with it in, in, you know, in 10, 15 minutes, I would say. Um, also, also to be honest, uh, you know, uh, when there aren't a lot of users anymore, it's hard to buy and sell and trade kitties, which is one of the main, um, points of the game, right? No one's there to buy your shit kitties, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, you know, like nowadays when there's, when there's less than you know, uh, 50 or a hundred daily active users, everyone is basically a bag holder. You have, you have no one to sell your kitties to. So it's, you know, it's pretty much done at this point. Um, do, uh, how about Jason, do you, uh,
0: I, I guess we could just all chime in. I, I think it's yeah. like, let's all throw in and just chime in. I'll, I'll stop directing conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think the thing is like uh, with CryptoKitties, the sort of core cycle of what you're supposed to do in the game and how you're supposed to win the- theoretically, it's, it's quite simple, right? It's a simple loop and you get to learn to master that. Um, and to get really good, it's just all math. It's like percentages that you're playing at a later game. Right? So, um,
0: can you explain that into a little bit more detail? Like, why would it be percentages? Like, well, um, just like um, for those who, who don't haven't played the game or who haven't understood it, what, what's why is the cycle like that?
1: Well, the percentage is, is the percentage in which you're going to have that generation. That, that's like, even if like every cat has a certain trait that they can, when they breed, they can pass down to the next generation of cats. Uh, but it's all by percentages. Just because the older parent cat has it, uh, it is no guarantee that the, the offspring is going to have it. So you have to do it over and over again until you you can actually pass down the exact traits that you want. So, these so it's are
0: all- like kind of like breeders in real life, right? You want to breed, You want to make the perfect breed, breed whether it's gold, silver eyes emerald eyes and you know like fancy fur you want to pass these traits on so it's all maps figuring out how what percentage they pass on and then figure out that there right
1: now the thing is like at initially when players play the game like they they could find they will probably find it really engaging and really interesting right because these are all new things that they're learning but once they learn it they master it. they know what you know how it works um, there has to be some level of skill or some something, some level of complexity that they have to continuously learn for them to be entertained. Um, this is like in psychology, they call this uh, the state of flow. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but it's sort of like flow is ba- you know, uh, basically that time when you were absolutely absorbed in, in an activity or something you were doing, whether it's sports or uh, video games, watching a movie, right? So, Video games have that too. And like really good ones uh, do that for players where they capture the player in the state of flow and then they try to keep them there as long as they can by increasing the challenges. So as they get better and better at the game, the game itself gets harder. Um, that's like PvP games tend to do this very well because you're playing against a player, right? So they just match you against uh, better players um, as you get more skilled at the game. Um, but this is to- it's totally missing from kitties, um, right? Uh, the only thing in terms of difficulty is the RNG percentages, right? So, um, I mean, players are not dumb, they know, right? Uh, eventually they're like, oh, screw this. <laughs> you know. This is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just playing um, lotto, right, so.
2: Yeah, it was more of a marketing um, effort kind of game where you're just collecting things than a game. There was, the gameplay was very limited, um and you see uh blockchain cuties on the other hand uh trying to improve on that in a sense they kept that kind of unique um that unique mechanic they had of the genome and like that random rng of combining kitties like 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 uh jason said uh impossible creatures had that but it was player directed and adding the time element in the rng is pretty cool so um uh yeah, I think I think uh, there wasn't too much game in uh in that game. So.
0: Okay, so, so you looked at the evolution of CryptoKitties, right? So you looked at CryptoKitties um, and then being cloned and copied into Blockchain Cuties. What do you think did you yeah. did you think the innovations worked? What were the innovations for Blockchain Cuties?
2: Well, I mean, Blockchain Cuties had the adventure system where you fire like and it also had some combat, right? Where you you fought um NPCs. Um, the interesting thing I found was that uh, a lot of these elements were found in early days Facebook games. Um, like like there, the, the combat and the um, it was like text-based RPG elements, right? Like I've played <laughs> some of the I almost feel like sometimes when I play like, like uh, 30 years ago when I played on BBSs like some of the some of the games had some similar elements, right? And and it it was like a step. It, they, they stepped from that kind of collectible game to uh, uh, kind of a basic game that kind of had a framework for a while with a with that kind of interesting genome thing that's going on.
0: Right. Do you think it worked though? Do you, I mean, that kind of adds to it. And I mean, J- Jason was talking about the state of flow, right? Do you think it added to it? Do you think that it added to the depth of the game where the player is the core loop where it, it enriched the core loops so of players will keep on coming back? Or do you think it's still too weak for the core loop there?
2: I, I think it's interesting. You said there was like 2.5 billion players, gamers, right? But mm-hmm, yes. every gamer tends to be in a different stage of development, right? There's the mm-hmm. early ones, there's the mid-core, and there's people who have just gamed their whole lives and have seen it all. Well, I'll tell you, when I was 10 years old and playing on the BBSs, those games were, uh, they were interesting to me and I was engaged. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say I'm new to games and I get on this game. It's like, oh, there's some interesting mechanics that I can learn from and try to manipulate and try to improve myself and uh this those mechanics do give you the ability to create mastery um because you're learning the systems uh so uh it just i think it depends on the stage of the gamer mm, okay but i mean
0: Okay, so, so I think you're putting it very politely as well because obviously uh, you're, not, you're not 10 anymore. We're not 10. I mean, in, in this damn age with gamers being so bombarded by a vast array of very, very well-made games. I mean, there's, a, there's approach from multiple fronts, whether it's a new Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> we have you're, still... You're playing.
2: right. Out. Yeah. I was uh, polite. You think-
0: Do you think, do you think, yeah, I mean, I think you're polite in saying, yeah, if it was 30 years ago, this would be good. But do you think this floats today? Do you think that that works today?
2: Yeah, I think uh, a super small percentage, maybe, but not like definitely most people have been bombarded with much better offerings. Okay.
1: I think uh, for the target audience that it was going for, I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's it would um like when i look at my like with double quarantine um you know i look at my the kind of games my daughter plays right (laughs) and it looks similar right and i can see her really digging you know crypto kitties or um you know crypto cuties but The thing is, is then there's this whole crypto barrier, right? She's not gonna get through that, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a game, um, you know, that can probably uh, appeal to, very young very very young uh, generation (laughs) but uh,
0: yeah yeah. it's kind of ironic right uh, yeah you're you're like you're throwing you're throwing the players under a bus here you're like yeah my my five-year-old daughter (laughs) you know she likes this but i don't think any of the players will be five years old i mean to to be to be part of this whole crypto experience you got to be at least you know able to uh, store your cryptocurrencies properly and you got to be rich right i mean blockchain cuties ain't cheap either (laughs) let's be honest here it's it's not a game that anyone other than i think crypto um dolphins will be able to play like uh, hey if i want to do an interactive ethereum blockchain that's two dollars right there every action two dollars bro i mean i can buy a game for two dollars i mean (laughs) um you know it's it's not the cheapest game out there so i think um, I think maybe they they chose to do the style because they knew that the crypto audience, they're not hardcore gamers. So they're kind of introducing the newer audience into the gaming space. So those mechanics kind of work for um, kind of brand new gamers, right? But at the same time, if anyone's been in the gaming space, those mechanics are so kind of um, overused, I would almost say. It's, it's been in every single game. It doesn't bring anything new to the table. So our curiosity has not been piqued, I would say, for that. So um, I guess all this works towards, you know, how, how do you develop a better game? How do we move beyond CryptoKitties? Because I I obviously want to see more games out there. I, I think uh, there's so many elements here that we talked about that is positive in terms of what it can bring to the game experience. But at the same time, I want this to go to the mass audience. And, and I guess, like, learning from this example, how can we solve a few of these issues? Is it just about cramming in more gameplay mechanics, what do you guys think?
1: Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think the thing, the important thing is like, don't worry so much about the crypto or blockchain element. Um, Remember that we're making a game and understanding that we're making it for an audience. Um, So like care about the player audience first, right? Um, If there's a crypto or blockchain element, like how's that gonna enhance the player uh, experience? Uh, I think that's very important to understand before you start making that game instead of saying, you know, just, just like, Hey, there's this new hot technology out there. Uh, let's try to make a game out of it. Right. Um, then that, that's just, it just sets you up for, uh, in the wrong direction, right? From the beginning. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think so too. I mean, uh, I, I've seen a Twitter post saying, Hey, why, why isn't decentralized gaming? What doesn't have a fancy fat word? I mean, decentralized finance, we got DeFi. It's like popping right now. Why not diga? I mean, other than it sounds horrific, I think it's also in the wrong direction too. It's not just about decentralized gaming, but it's more about gaming with decentralized elements or gaming with blockchain. I think that, that, kind, of, that kind of sets us off in a slightly better direction where blockchain is not the focus because at the end of the day, a game is still art. It's still a presentation of an artist's vision, or right? I mean, one of you guys' vision. And, um, you know, that's, that's important, right?
1: Yeah. Like how does decentralized gaming um better the player experience to not have updates from the um the publishers or the developers that are building the game right um it's It's in the best interest of the developers to continuously provide the best experience to the gamer so from uh, from their perspective, they can continuously make money right uh so to be decentralized, saying hey, you know. You know, we don't want anything from you. We'll take the bugs. You know, we're not going to, we don't want to fix. I mean, it's just like a funny concept, right? Um, if anything, if you look at gaming itself and how it's evolved, um, when we used to have that Super Nintendo, Super Family come at home, before we had the internet uh, that was all hooked up to our um, uh, consoles and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, in some way, that that was, in, you know, the the essence of like decentralized gaming, right? Because you know, the, the developers can't screw with you once you buy your game cartridges. Um, you know, you play it as it is. Right? You have a bug? Oh well, you know, you, you play around it, right? Um, so but then the game industry has evolved uh, to better the player experience to continuously give them updates new items and uh new patches and um so that that when they buy a game that um experience can last longer months years right yeah
3: i think also so i want to i want to add to that a little bit so uh, the thing is when 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 they're talking about decentralized gaming right it's i mean they're decentralizing sort of the asset trading component uh, you know, like with, with like kitties we were trading the kitties themselves. So, you know, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, all these things, right? Which are items or uh, virtual assets related to the game. But at the end of the day, the game is still developed by one central party, one developer, right? So if the developer goes offline, then, you know, the game doesn't exist, then what are you going to do with an NFT anyways? There's nothing you can do with it. So at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're, the game itself still isn't really decentralized per se. Uh, There's, you know, I I don't think there's a way to do that at the moment because like Jason said, who's going to maintain it? Who's going to make the updates and who's going to make the game better, right? So, um, and I think think that can be achieved, just the decentralization of trading assets and all these things, I think that can be achieved by, you know, improving the gameplay component uh, by not necessarily putting everything on the blockchain and, and, uh, and just sort of widening the scope a little bit more.
0: And I think so. I, I just want to just throw something quick in there because uh, uh, one of the things that they were targeting was that these kitties are forever, right? I mean, um, the DNA is on the blockchain. So you got like 0x, yeah. 0as, 3b, whatever. And I guess you can admire your awesome gold-cutter eye kitty by just telling them, yo, look, it's got a nice eyes. It's got zero nine two. You see, you see that? Beautiful eyes. Uh, that doesn't obviously doesn't work, right? You can't without without the company to render the image and to to present that to people and present it in a nice way on the website. People will enjoy and appreciate it, right? So I think uh, definitely there's a centralized element in there, and I think um, you still have to go back and I and I think it's it's all about the art, right? It's like uh, what part of it is decentralized? We get to keep the assets, but definitely the the game itself is and a piece of art is you're still experiencing the artist's vision of your kitty and whatnot. So, you know, what part of it is decentralized? I think that would be a big argument, you know, for the future.
1: Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned, um, you know, the crypto kitties, how it was, um, sort of catering towards the whales. Right. But, you know, the platform in which the whales get to show this off, like that's not decentralized, right? <laughs> you know, um, like you mentioned the art uh, in which that's used to show off this stuff, that's not decentralized, right? So what is this? It's just the only part that's decentralized really is like what, bunch of codes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It is, it is. So I, I guess going back, okay, so we, we've done quite a lot of analysis on the Kitties and kind of why it, it's, it's not the mainstream game yet, then I guess it's a platform now to give you guys an opportunity to talk about your own game, you know, about Infinite Fleet. How how are you solving these problems? How can you make this successful for the mainstream?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, Infinite Fleet isn't trying to sell pitch how, you know, blockchain is going to revolutionize gaming or anything like that, because, like, we don't really believe in that, um, for us, like we saw demand. Um, actually, more like Samson saw demand <laughs> for players wanting to trade in-game items. Uh, that right. Were-
0: and, and let's give a big background. Who is Samson?
1: <laughs> All right. So Samson is the CEO at um, Pixelmatic. Um, he's also the CSO at uh, Blockstream. All right. Um, yeah. So. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we just saw that uh, there was a demand um, and it wasn't being filled by developers. So, you know, rather being rather punishing them, which a lot of the developers seem to do or close accounts and stuff by selling accounts uh, when they find out, you know, you know, we knew we can address these demands um, possibly by using crypto. Right. Um, But more our own in-game currency that, you know, players don't pay for but earn. Uh, through pro- proof of participation uh, through in-game events.
0: Yeah. I see. So so you've seen that economy set up and where players already demanded free trade. We've seen that pop up in quite a few games, right? And I think one thing to explore in a future video about is kind of uh, we'll do a postmortem on something like Diablo 2 or Diablo 3, mm-hmm. where um, in game economies happen, players do sell accounts. I mean, even World of Warcraft, all these Blizzard games, yeah. uh, people love selling their accounts, their assets, and that there's a particular demand for that. So you saw that you want to put, you say crypto can solve the problem where um, about item ownership and trade. So is it only for trade? Is that what you're only using the crypto element for? Um, and yes. how do you?
1: Yeah, for player to player trade. Is right. Doing, yeah. Right.
0: And how do you get around with this crypto element? We said one of the issues that pushed CryptoKitties to milk the whales is because they know that the audience space is small. The the number of Ethereum users is still relatively small relative to the two point five billion gamers out there. How how do you want to address this issue?
1: Um. So we like um. F- you, you don't need. Uh, a certain cryptocurrency uh, like ethereum to get into our game um, you you can, you the game is free to play and you play the game. Um, the whole crypto element only really applies to you um, when you want to take the infinite the, the, the token out of the game, but until then it just works as an in game currency like wild Girl. Um, mm. so you don't have to worry about wallets, you don't have to worry about wallet addresses and any of that. Um, It just works like any other sort of in-game currency in the game. So what we're trying to do is really just, you know, build the game first and focusing on it, the whole whole crypto element is just there for um, people that want to take the money out once they want to leave the game. Um, They're like, okay, well, you know, I've had enough but I want to get paid for the time I invested, right? So, you know, that, that's the only time when it really applies. But until then, it's everything will, uh, sort of revolves. In in.
0: Well, I don't think only. I mean, I took money out, but I have to put money back in. I mean, it's, there's just an economy going on. I mean, I, I can take money from, you know, I, I guess, I, guess uh, I took money from Brazil back in the past. I don't know. There were some Brazilian gold farmers in Diablo 3. Like, they, they sort of are cheap. I'll take that. You know, you can cash up for me. And I'll help you cash out somewhere else, you know. <laughs> so I guess that's that's I, uh, yeah. Go on. I, th-
3: I think the I think the, the entire concept and the the approach and also the user flow is is the uh, very very much the opposite for us compared to like CryptoKitties or other blockchain games. Mm-hmm. For those you know so-called the, those typical blockchain games, it's always first you need to ha- you need to be in crypto, you need to have Ethereum, and then you enter the game with your Ethereum, and then you do whatever you want. And then maybe you get some Ethereum out of the game as well, right? So this is, the, this is the user flow. But for us, you know, first and foremost, we're building a game that has nothing to do with the blockchain itself. So the actual game is, is off-chain. It runs like a typical MMO, uh, MMO game like EVE Online or whatever, right? So we want to attract normal gamers to the game first. And then a lot of these gamers are not going to be crypto users. They might not even understand what Bitcoin is, right? But once they're in the game, they, they they at some point when they accumulate a lot of the game currency, they will realize that, oh, there's value in this. I can use this to buy items from other players in the P2P marketplace, or I can even learn how to send this outside of the, the, the game platform into my own wallet or onto a crypto exchange, third-party crypto exchange, possibly, and uh, exchange it for for some other cryptocurrency, right? So that that's, you know, that's the kind of uh, concept we're going for, and that's, in a way it's going to be like a Trojan horse that uh, that's going to onboard potential gamers as crypto users as well. And that's, that's one of our, uh, our, uh, our secondary goals. Um, And, and also like you guys talked about earlier, you know, people are always hustling out there. There's always going to be hustlers, farmers, and all these people like yourself, Michael, you're, you're a hardcore hustler, right? Uh, You know, like, but a lot of games they're trying so hard to play cat and mouse with these guys. They're trying to like ban them to stop them from doing, you know what they got to do. It's you know if you're putting hours of your time into it. Like we, we saw, I saw some guy on our Discord server the other day. He said he put he put in twenty two thousand hours into Eve Online. You know, holy that's, shit! That's more than that's two and a half years. Uh, like in Jesus, total. that's crazy. That's when you that's, when you, that's when you like you type slash played in World of Warcraft and you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what did I do with my life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? So you want you know people if people are spending so much time in, in the game, you know, they it's, I think it's fair for them to expect to extract some sort of reward from the game, right? Some real life reward. So uh, instead of trying to always, you know, work against this, uh, I think with uh, cryptocurrency as the in-game currency that 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 sort of serves the the, the peer-to-peer marketplace, I think that's going to normalize this and uh, also removes the need for players to to run and hide and go on eBay or whatever, uh, dark web, uh, you know, black markets to, to buy accounts. To I don't really gold. think you
0: need to go on a dark web for game accounts. I think <laughs> you go, you, you want to go there for drugs and murders and stuff and video games It's it an exaggeration. <laughs> so I think that's a good point. Hope. And I think, I hope you guys really learn a lot from this. So, um, okay. How do you get, how do people, like, if people are interested in this and talking to you guys, what's the best way to keep in touch?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh so right now we're developing the game and we have some really exciting stuff coming out. We're working on a brand new trailer with uh pretty intensive art resources. And and if you're interested in keeping uh, up to date with what's happening and, and seeing all the exciting stuff that we're doing and the of of course the crypto crypto stuff as well, you can visit us at infinitefleet.com. And also we're on Twitter, uh Facebook. And uh, we have a Discord server as well where most of the discussions happen relating to the game. And you're welcome to join and give feedback and, uh, you know, your own suggestions. Um, So, yeah, check us out. And, uh, you know, got some really good stuff coming.
0: All right, guys. So I'll put the links down below. Definitely, I think Discord. I I love talking on Discord, guys. And I'll be hopping there as well, talking about games. And hopefully through this, as a community, you can look to make better games and just really – get mass adoption. So guys, thank you guys so much
2: for your time. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Damon. Thank you, Hope. See you guys next time.